enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest states these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chetham, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. I'm so excited for this episode with Melissa Danahay. She is absolutely incredible, as you'll hear in short order. But I do want to make an announcement. I am really excited. In about a week to week and a half, we will form, depending on when you hear this, frankly, we will be formally starting season two of Road to the Trials. I am so excited. First season went so well. Eight of America's best marathoners preparing for the Olympic marathon trials. That was so much fun. It's been a year since then. It's just a remarkable uh, year it has been. We were planning on starting season two of this uh, podcast right after the Olympic marathon. Obviously, uh, it didn't happen because of all things 2020. But here we are a year later, and I am so excited. We have six phenomenal athletes. So if you have already listened to that podcast, last year was called Road to the Olympic Trials. I don't have the copyright for the word Olympic, so we truncated it a little bit. Now it's just Road to the Trials, but it's the same thing. Six of America's best track athletes are going to be in this season as we prepare for late June in the Olympic Trials. I'm so excited. So just like last time, we have equal part men and women. On the women's side, we have Dana Giordano, we have Olivia Baker, and we have Kira D'Amato. On the men's side, we have Abe Alvarado, Tyler Day, and Frank Lara, all preparing for the Olympic trials. I am so excited. So if you were already a subscriber to that podcast, maybe you haven't been subscribed for a while because we haven't released an episode in a year, go subscribe again. If you weren't a podcast subscriber last time around go subscribe now maybe check out some of the back episodes they were fantastic really well received and i'm so excited to start this one up again in basically a week week and a half from when i'm recording this we'll be launching season two with these six amazing runners so go check that out today so this episode like i just said with melissa danahay she is an unbelievable marathon, I'm mean a marathon, ultra marathon and trail runner who has done phenomenal things and has overcome many challenges in her life. Uh, like so many people, she is a, basically people who listen to this podcast, I should say, she is uh, a parent. She is, a, you know, a full-time employee. She's also has this unbelievable side hustle. I can't wait to talk to her about as well. And she's balancing the running. She's coming back from injury and she's just balancing all of these things. She's also a sexual assault survivor. And she talks about that and coming back from that experience and now being somebody who is kind of uh, taking that pain in her life and now helping other people who have gone through uh, something similar. And that just shows you um, just the kind of person this woman is. She is absolutely remarkable. And it was such an honor to chat with her for almost an hour about all things uh, in her life and just the the impact she's having on other people. So let's get into it with Melissa Danahay. Hello, Melissa, and welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Thanks so much for having me today. I, I'm so happy to be here talking to you. 
I cannot. I mean, I can't tell you how excited I am to talk to you. It's funny. So I've done over 400 podcasts and it's funny. Every time I have someone on, a lot of times I'll be like, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. I'll ask them beforehand, like, hey, do you have any questions? Like, no, I'm just a little nervous. And like, they're like, is that weird? I'm like, no, I'm nervous before all of these. Every single one, uh, even more so today. I'm a huge fan of yours, of your running career, what you're doing business world, like what you're doing as a person, as a parent, like this, this conversation I am so excited for. Uh, there's so many different places that we could jump off and talk about. Uh, but I guess first things first, one thing that I've gotten a lot of outreach in the past few months about was like, Hey, can you have more ultra runners? on the show. And usually people will conflate like ultra running and trail running or just like, you know, to kind of mold the two together, um, which I know they aren't necessarily the same thing, but there's just seemed to be so many folks, even athletes that I coach who are just like so interested in this now, now that so many of the traditional races have been canceled. What's it like for you as someone who is you know, well ingrained in ultra running and trail running now for years to see what's kind of happening now, this like this evolution of people who would typically be, road runners but now are starting to like kind of they're they're moving slowly towards this other thing just because of the circumstances but really enjoying it what's it like for you someone who's kind of been there for a while already oh i i love it you know the more the merrier (laughs) um and i i especially love seeing more females starting to enter the sport i i've i've been in a lot of races where you know there were only a handful of us and it's so great to see it start to balance out a little bit more um you know i've seen the personal benefits of this sport you know not only just being in nature but also just pushing yourself to a whole new level and then just you know, I think what really differentiates road running and trail running and ultra running with ultra running, there's so much mental aspect to it. You know, you need like a sort of like mental resilience, um, mental endurance. And because of that, you know, it just adds a whole new extra level of challenge, but it can be so rewarding. So when I see other people start to really push themselves in that direction and, and see the benefits of it, I am so happy to see more people doing it for sure. Yeah. And you bring up the female aspect too. It's, it is interesting. I know there's been so many studies about this and just anecdotes and different stories of just like how like at the, the longer the distance goes, oftentimes they're kind of like the difference in within like the the performance gender gap that you see starts to diminish. Right. And you all of a sudden you have like the the, 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 the genders at the, at the elite level will start to get closer and closer. And whether that's true or not, it is interesting that like when you have so many folks who you can see doing well in the sport like this, where it's like so much about how not simply about being fast, but also like you mentioned, like the physical toughness, the focus, and just like being able to deal with like different circumstances, which is like not even like, you know, merely something to do with athletics, right? These are like just foundational skills for so many people that it seems like it would be such like a hand in glove thing for, um, for so many folks that the, the fact that it was so, um, I don't know, that, that it was so dominated by one gender was, was kind of like nonsensical, like right from the start. Yeah. For, um, it's just, I think it, when that distance increases, and because of the many other factors that go beyond physical, it kind of puts us on a an equal playing field. And I, I love that about the sport. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I, I I know like the women that I coach who have started to move towards ultra, like it is something that like the more they go in that direction, 
it's like they can't get enough. Like they have just this this experience where it's like it's almost like this whole new world opens up. And instead of being like, wow, like this is a lot or like, wow, like this is these are so many miles. And I thought I could do this, but I can't. It's like the exact opposite. It's like this whole world opens up and it's like, oh, my God, this is exactly where I want to be. As opposed to people like, again, like I feel like if I were to make that go in that direction, I'd be like, oh, wow, like I don't know if I can do all this. I didn't know all this stuff was involved. Like I got to get out of here. Um it was that how it was for you? Like we go back in time and I know that you weren't, you know, shoot, you weren't even like, I remember I was listening to, to another podcast and then you were, you've been open about this before. Like you weren't even like an athlete, you know, growing up and all of a sudden, like you seem to make a pretty quick movement into, into the ultra scene. Like what was it like for you when you started to get a glimpse of this world? Yeah. It, you know, it, when you were talking about how you just kind of experience it for the first time, you're like, wow, I, I can definitely relate to that. You just get so much reward out of, you know, a race that long where there's so many different elements, there's highs and lows, and it's almost like a, a spiritual journey too. You know, you just like really, you because you're spending so much time out there, a lot, sometimes alone for hours and hours, um, you just spend all of this time just with yourself, with your own thoughts. And um, it's just amazing, like where your mind goes. Uh, so I, I kind of fell into ultra running, um, kind of to backtrack my story. So I started running in 2003, I was in college and I just did it because I just recognized I needed to exercise. I'd put on some weight, um, and exercising was something I'd never done. I had never played a sport. So I just started running. That was the first thing I tried. And for some reason it stuck. Um, <laughs> and so I just, uh, continued to increase my distances, started, you know, racing. I wasn't really racing then, but I was running half marathons. Um, 2011, I ran my first marathon. And then shortly after that, I ran my first ultra marathon. And um, I think experiencing trails for the first time, which, you know, a lot of ultras are on trail. I think that just changed everything for me. And from there, I was just craving more of it. Like I want to be in nature. I want to run these longer distances. Um, and it just kind of continued from there. Yeah. So what was it like just building up to that point? Because, you know, I think that can be a something block for so many is that they say, hey, like, I love the idea of this, but, you know, the mileage can be intimidating and like, I don't want to get hurt. We'll talk about your current injury a little later because I definitely <laughs> want to talk about that. Um, but the idea of like, all right, this this is a lot of miles. This can, I can like so many people get injured running. Like, do I really want to take this on? Um, especially for someone who maybe like isn't like this seasoned marathoner, then taking the next step. Like, what was that process like for you? Not only in terms of embracing it, but doing it in a way that ultimately was sustainable and has kept you in the sport. I, I think a lot of it, fortunately for me, just happened so naturally. Um, running just became such an important part of my life. And um, it was my way to just, you know, stay balanced and have this part of my life that just gave back so much to me. Um, and so it just happened really naturally where it was like I, I wanted to be out running. Um, I, I just became really self-aware and saw like how I felt after runs and how much reward I was getting out of it. And it, it, it was really natural. <laughs> I, I hate to say that, but it's, it was just one of those things, um, that it just felt great. And I, I just like saw myself becoming a better version, you know, of who I was. And so I think, um, maybe, you know, the reason for that was because I just saw like purpose in my running. You know, I was empowering myself. I was 
you know, really just um, doing a lot for my overall, just like mental, physical well-being. And as a result, it just, you know, continued to just be part of my life and, and become a bigger part of my life over the years. So what was it like when the people in your life, people who cared about you, not like, no, not trolls or people who are frenemies type, type feel, but like mm-hmm. people who really cared about you all of a sudden see you doing this, you know, this new sport, this new endeavor, which obviously was, as you mentioned, more geared towards general activity at first. Now all of a sudden you're doing something that for a lot of people they would view as like, is this healthy? Is this dangerous? Right? Like what was that part of just getting into this socially and and becoming um, an acceptable endeavor for you with the people that, that surrounded you? Because again, you're doing this at still, I mean, not a young age, like you were 12 or something, but still like you're obviously connected to a lot of people at that stage of your life. I think there, there's sometimes, you know, especially with family and people who they don't run themselves. It's hard for them to understand, you know, why you do this. And, um, you know, yeah, exactly. I always get asked like, how are your knees? How are your legs? What are you doing to yourself? Um, but you know, I think a lot of it is they just don't understand. And once they do and see like why you're doing it and they also, people are seeing you grow, you know? And I think for me, people saw how much it changed who I was and the direction I was moving. And as a result, you know, they saw the, the kind of like correlation between like, Oh, running is doing a lot for her. And, and I would share about it, you know, like what I was getting out of it. And I think because of that, you know, anyone who might not have been supportive before they, they changed their minds later on. So for you, this was not just about a physical transformation, but a mental and emotional one as well. Oh, absolutely. Hey, everybody. Do you want to save money on your grocery bill? Well, every plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping. Try America's Best Value Meal Kit for planning dinners today. I love every plate for a couple of different reasons. First of all, I just love having things in my kitchen, especially in my refrigerator, that isn't the same old thing that I do every single week. Also, getting things that aren't too adventurous that my kids are definitely going to eat. Obviously, you're never going to beat that a thousand with that. But with every plate, my kids have really enjoyed it. And I like the food as well. And it's just not the same stuff every single week, which can get tiring. So you can choose between 17 recipes that change each week, swap proteins and sides for things that you like. So you can switch up your dinner routine however you want. And that's the key thing. It's however you want. There's so many options and it's all great stuff, which is also huge. For me, the difference between this and some of the other uh, services in this genre are, first of all, the price. It's absolutely fantastic. We'll get to it in a second. The kinds of meals that are provided, that they're really good, but not too adventurous, have also been a huge thing for me. And now I've been using these more often now that groceries have kind of gone up and the price for every plate has pretty much stayed the same. So try every plate today. It's $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RamblingRunner179. That stands for $1.79 per meal. So get started with every plate, like I said, for $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RamblingRunner179 today. That's up to $104 value. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I heard other podcasters who were really into performance and athletics, people like Rich Roll and Tim Ferriss, who used it all the time. 
And I thought, hey, man, if they're going to use it, then I should too. And I'm so glad that I did. So what's in the stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, all to help you start your day the right way. The special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your recovery, literally all the things. I mean, there's too many things for me to list. I actually have to like take a pause during the sentence, uh, but it's it's legit and I'm so glad that I use it. I use it basically because I know that getting my vitamins and minerals from, from foods is probably the best way to do it, but I usually just don't have the kind of diet and make the kind of food choices that's going to put myself in the optimum position. And that's why I take Athletic Greens to make sure that I have everything I need because I know I'm probably not getting it from foods because I just don't quite have the, the discipline or the food choices that I need. And Athletic Greens is there to help me out. And I'm so glad that they are. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash rambling runner. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash rambling runner to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. So where, so you mentioned before, like when you were in college, where you were physically, so on and so forth. Um, where were you mentally and emotionally at that stage that you felt like this sort of evolution um, would be helpful and something that you were excited to 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 go down that path once you had started? Um, it's hard to say. Like early on, I definitely, you know, I was just sort of running just to, you know, get healthier. I, I, you know, I was just living this college lifestyle, late nights, pizza, beer. Um, and I was just, you know, okay, I need to exercise and do something about this. And, um, so in the early, you know, years, it was just more of this, like, okay, let me just try to move my life in a different direction and, um, lose a little bit of weight. Um, and you know, the more you run and I'm sure other people can relate to this, it was just like, I wanted to do other things differently. You know, I noticed like I wanted to eat better. I wanted to, um, I was a smoker in college, just like a social smoker. I quit smoking. Um, and I just, you know, started to really become more conscious of like how my body was feeling. And I wanted to do it for running because I also noticed, um, I think, you know, in those years that running was just providing me with just so much like just, um, mental balance. And I just, you know, I, I just got a lot out of it, but I think, you know, what kind of pivoted my relationship with running was, um, and so I started running in 2006 uh, or 2003. And in 2006, um, I actually experienced a traumatic event. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was robbed in my own home. I was kidnapped and then I was, um, sexually assaulted ultimately. Um, and, from there, it was just like, I think back on that year of my life, and it was almost like I was stuck in in space, you know, like, I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know where my life was, you know, at, at that point. And so um, I basically funneled a lot of that energy into running. Um, you know, I started to just really kind of empower myself, you know, um, for a couple of years, I was actually really scared to run. Um, for, for a good reason, you know, I didn't feel safe. 
And so I, I found myself in the gyms, just like running on the treadmill. And then eventually I just had to regain that power of like, look, I love running outside so much. I, I just need to get out there. And, you know, if I don't believe I'm strong, I need to make myself believe that I'm strong by, you know, showing myself how much I can run and, you know, how much distance I can do. And so I, I was back outside running again. And then, you know, for years, even though I wasn't seeking traditional therapy, because I, I just didn't know about these things, I didn't realize, you know, the effect that trauma had on me. Um, and so in a way, I was almost like coping with it um, with running without realizing that it was just like providing this therapeutic element to my healing. And it wasn't until a decade later that I actually went into, um, I, I sought therapy and then started to kind of attack, you know, the root issues of why I was feeling this way, why I was having, you know, certain issues. Um, and then also recognizing, looking back, like, oh my gosh, running helped me through all of these years. Yeah. Oh, thank you. First of all, you did not have to share that. You know, thank you for your honesty. I know that you have shared this uh, on your Instagram in, in a series of posts a while ago that were um, very impactful. I mean, for a lot of people, I know I, I read them kind of in real time as well. Um, so thank, thank you for being so honest about this. Uh, certainly you don't need to be. Um, when you think back to your running, once you, your, your, kind of left left the gym and all of a sudden you're back into running in the settings that you love so much and kind of got you back into the sport. When you look back, was it was it therapeutic for you doing the running? Um was it, you know, some sort of combination of like that plus also like just it it kind of like I don't even know how to phrase it really, Melissa. I, was it like in some ways like it kind of took your mind off it in the sense like you're able to focus on other things. And you're able to kind of escape what had happened. Like what was, what exactly, what place did running hold for you in that, in that, in that setting? Cause obviously um, that's a very traumatic event uh, or series of events, I should say uh, that certainly can be imprinted on someone for a long time. I, I think um, basically a, a lot of the reason why, you know, I kind of think back and see how important it was, was because at the time, I, I didn't understand trauma. I didn't understand PTSD, which is what I was dealing with. I had PTSD. Um, I, I was unable to sleep. I was having nightmares. I just had all of these symptoms. And I found that running was helping with the symptoms. So ultimately, I was like self-prescribing <laughs> and just like, in a way, like unknowingly treating myself for the symptoms of PTSD, just because I saw the immediate benefits of it. I realized like, oh, when I went for a long run, I just felt like mentally better. And then I would actually sleep a little bit that night. Um, and because of that, I started to lean more in that direction. Um, and I, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that a lot of these, you know, I talk about running and all of, you know, the last you know, 10, 15 years. And a, a lot of it was just being self-aware and like recognizing like, oh, this is, this is good. You know, I, I'm going to keep going with this because it, it's, it, I recognize that it's a thing for me. You know, I, that, that makes a lot of sense. And now even, you know, I think was, was, was it this past December, you, you, you started as a board of directors on standing together to end sexual assault. Like for you, what was the impetus to, um, not only share your experience, but then work in that setting in terms of, um, you know, more, not just like, um, 
sharing your experiences, but proactively trying to help other people who have experienced uh, something similar? For um, about 10 years following, you know, my sexual assault, I, I basically um, spent that time just really like I basically just bottled it up and I didn't share with anyone except for, you know, the people closest to me. Um, and, it, you know, I spent those early years just trying to pretend it never happened because I thought that that was the best thing to do. Um, and then meanwhile, you know, here I am just like seeking therapy in a way without even knowing it, you know, knowing that running was just making me feel better in the short term. Um, and then, you know, 10 years into it, I start going to therapy and start realizing like, look, I do need to talk about it. Um, so I spent a few years just like really digging, you know, digging into that and um, kind of like just addressing the issues I had and and trying to overcome that and heal. Um, and I realized the more I talked about it, the better I felt. Um, and also just I was healing myself, you know, more quickly, too. And and then I started to just really open up about it. And I was just amazed at um you know, who reached out to me. So I, I opened up for the first time about it on social media, I think back in like 2014, 15. Um, and I just remember getting messages from people of like, Hey, my sister was sexually assaulted. Are you okay? If I share your contact info with, with her and, and have her reach out to you because, you know, I can just, I, I read your story and I, I know she can relate with some of these things. And so here I am, like, I have people reaching out, um, and, you know, it was, it was just one of those things that, um, I, I, I loved helping other people who had been through the same experience. There's a certain part of when, you know, somebody has been through the same thing, you know, that you're not the only one, it just provides a level of comfort. Um, so not only, you know, was I getting something out of it as well as the other people, but it's just, um, I, it's one of those things that you, you almost have to open up about it. You have to like, um, talk to other people and, and, and just like really lean on each other to help each other. And so um, I, I just, I've kind of been, you know, a person who is available to people who want to talk about it. And, um, and yeah, and recently I joined the board for Stessa and I actually made the decision this year that I'm going to start um, offering to speak publicly about it and just my overall experience and also just helping people. It's a tough topic to talk about. You know, I, I went through um, such a struggle. Just, you know, I had so much resentment against some of my own family and friends who just were uncomfortable talking about it. Um, so they just wouldn't bring it up. And I just had this resentment against them because I just felt like they weren't supporting me. But then you think about it and you're like, wait a second. They don't know how to support me. They don't know what to say. And so part of um, why I'm going to be, you know, speaking out about it is because I, I'd like to help other people to know, like, look, you know, there are things that you can do within your own boundaries without triggering yourself um, and you can support someone. And it's totally OK to say, look, I want to be here for you, but I don't know how to. So how can I be there for you? Like what works for us? And that's totally fine. Yeah, and you bring up so many good points, uh, especially the idea of like just because family or friends aren't supporting you in a way that you would like is not necessarily an indictment of them as people. It might just be like they're they just don't know what to do. They don't want to do or say the wrong thing and things like that. And they can just it, I can see that being um, a hard conversation on, on both sides. Um, and that's a that's a great point. So thank you for bringing that up, and thank you for what you're doing. Um, you know. 
you know, it seems like you're you're getting really good at talking about this in a in a public way. But I know it's it's not easy. Um, but it is because it's not easy. It's also so so vitally important. Uh, so a mutual friend of ours, um, actually, uh, who 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 we know both very very well, actually had a great question that I wanted to to, to pose to you because uh, I think it really touches kind of what what kind of goes next in terms of your your running journey, and that is. Basically, how did you harness that trauma that you just talked about into strength out on the trails? Because um, you mentioned before that at first it was like kind of like it was very therapeutic for you uh, to be doing that, that it was helping with your symptom, with your PTSD and, and you know, that that you know, alleviated some of what that you were dealing with. And then it seemed like at some point. It also began, like, like as 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 um, this question um, details, that you harnessed that strength into something else. All of a sudden, you were running uh, at a level that was extremely competitive with, with with a lot of very very good runners, and here you are today, a sponsored athlete. So, what was that like for you, turning that trauma into strength, and then particularly um, your your amazing effort at the Angeles Crest One Hundred? I I think. Um... You know, when when something like this happens, um, when someone is sexually assaulted, essentially what happens is you have um, power and you lose power, you lose control. And it takes a lot of work and healing to get that back, to feel like you have that back. And that's kind of, you know, where the root of all of these issues are is like, you know, you feel out of control, you feel out like you have no power, and then you're reacting to that, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. Um, so for me, running was a way to regain power and regain control. Um, being on those trails and knowing that I could cover 30 miles in the mountains on a tra- training run and, um, you know, it just was so empowering for me, just knowing that, you know, my body can do that. My mind can do that. Um, and then also just, you know, nature has a way of healing people too. It just provides so much peace. I, I love, you know, being out there on the trails and the sun is setting or the sun is rising and just that, that quiet hour of that. Um, and there is, there's almost like a spiritual element to it. Yeah, absolutely. And what, and what about that race in particular? Uh, I know that you know you you've won Angeles Crest. It's uh, well, I mean, I don't even run ultras, and I know about Angeles Crest. <laughs> so that, I guess that that tells you something. Um, in terms of you know manifesting um, that sort of um, manifesting is not the right word, but ultimately like being able to execute on race day, and then so, and in some ways turning negatives in your life into fuel to kind of get get to that next level. I don't know if that's what happened with you, um, but if it did, I'd love to hear more about it. Yeah, uh, so Angela's Crest is a 100-mile race for those, you know, that might not know. It's a 100-mile mountain race. Um, it's in, you know, the, um, the Angeles National Forest, which is like right by LA. And you kind of start on the eastern end of the mountain range and you pop out on like the southwestern part. So it's really neat. Like you're basically crossing that range. Um, and it has so many elements to it. There's a lot of climbing. Um, there's like two major peaks that you have to climb. Um, and then it's also in the heat of summer. And uh, the one thing that I will never forget about the race is you drop into these valleys and you're almost like in a a sauna. It's just so hot. (laughs) Um, And, you know, so here you are like 
not only is it 100 miles, but you have all these other factors into play. Um, and then I think what really contributed you know, to my success is just with running. It's that whole focus on like, you know, look how far I've come. Look at how much this has done for me. This is why I'm here. I have a purpose today. Like this is why I'm running. Um, it just, because there's so much mental part of that, um, you know, it's, it's staying focused, staying driven and just remembering what that purpose is and why you're there. And that's what gets you through. And that's what got me through AC, even through those hardest parts. Um, also with ultra running there, there's highs and lows, you know, there, there are points in every race where you feel like you're done, you're ready to tap out, but then you just get yourself back in there, you know, after doing a little bit of like problem solving <laughs> and then lo and behold, an hour later, you're back to it again. You feel great. <laughs> and so I think it's part of just knowing that too. Like, look, I feel like crap now. I feel like I'm, I could be done. But if I just, you know, sit for a little while and just like rehydrate, refuel, I'll be back out there feeling good again. Yeah. Let's talk about limitations because that is something that I feel like with ultra running, it's just on such a different level than so many other things in terms of testing people in a way that goes beyond just like fitness or strength or speed or just even the traditional scope of like fighting through um, mental barriers, right? Like you've run a 5k, like that can be a mental challenge as well. Like being like redlining and just being like, I'm not going to give in. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pushing, even though this burns, it hurts and so on and so forth. But like, as you mentioned in an ultra, especially like a hundred mile race, you're going to have, I feel like someone's like, mental perspective can be just as like, has just like the same elevation gain as law gain and loss as the topography of the course. So what's it like figuring out like, where are the limits and how you go about deciding like, no, I'm not done versus like, no, I, you know, or I can continue or, or what, or or just basically, again, I'm not going to have like a 25 part question. So let me limit this. (laughs) What's it like, what's it been like for you finding out where your limits are and the process of maybe pushing them back further than they had been in the past. Oh, yeah, that's that's tough. Um, I think it's something I'm still learning. <laughs> um, I think it, it's it's it is tough because you know when when you are moving from like complacency, right? You want to stay comfortable in your running. Um, so sometimes you you don't push yourself enough because you don't want to step outside of that comfort zone. But then there's like this other level of like, okay. Like, it's almost like acceptance, right? Like, okay, this is hard. I acknowledge that. I'm ready for it. Let's do this. Um, and then it's like, at what point are you pushing yourself beyond? I think it's something that um, I think a lot of competitive athletes were, were trying to figure that out. You know, even when you're training and you're pushing your body and you're trying to get the most out of it and see what you're capable of, you are kind of writing that fine line of like, sometimes you might push yourself a little bit too much. Um, I think the, the most important thing is just, um, just being able to like recognize your body's cues and signs of like, Oh, wait, is this just like general pain soreness or is this possible like injury? Um, and I think being able to recognize that's pretty important too. And that's a lesson, a hard lesson that I've learned in the last year, two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. That is. That, I can certainly imagine that being a hard lesson. But let's talk about the spot before that, right? The idea of like again, David Goggins has really popularized this and kind of like a mainstream crowd uh, with what he's been able to do, and even more beyond what he's been able to do, the way in which he tells his stories uh, of ultra running and different endurance events. This, you know, the whole forty percent 
um, you know, hypothesis for him, like you, like, when you think you're done, you're at 40%. You can go so much farther than you think you can. can is there, not to copy what he's saying, but are there certain moments in your running career that you look back on now where you can say, this is where I thought my limits were going to a race. And now like looking back, I can say like, wow, like I just didn't know. Like I didn't know what my limits were. I mischaracterized it in the moment and then I was able to go so much farther, even though at the time I really thought that I was at the end. Yeah, I, I look back on um, a lot of my running years and I think there was a lot of that. Um, where I just kind of rode like just outside the comfort zone. Um, and I think that was before, you know, it was when I first started running and then I first started running ultras and I was doing well then. It, um, just, you know, it wasn't a huge sport back in like 2011, 12. Um, and so, you know, I think there was definitely more potential back then that I wasn't tapping into. Um, and I think the most important piece that connects it all is just the mental piece. Like when you're working hard, you know, um, in your training and just like pushing yourself, then, then it kind of translates to when you are in a race. Um, and you know, in ultra running, you're doing these like long, crazy training runs. You're doing back-to-back runs. You're tired, you're sore. Um, and then you're also just, you're continuing to push yourself even when you don't want to, that, that easily translates to race day when you're out there. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and what are some of the, the experiences that you've had just in terms of like how you have felt or what, or your like what your mental emotional stat, status is? Like, do you feel like it's usually like mental emotional undoing that leads you to thinking that like, I'm at my breaking point here, or is it more physical? Like I just can't move or, or some sort of hybrid of the, of the, of the three. I think it can be both. Um, I, you know, and I think the most important thing with like, you know, ultras, if you, if you've done your work and your body's trained, um, you know, you're, you're going to be able to finish. And so most of the time that, you know, what I see out there on the course is, is usually people are, there's a mental aspect of it. They're talking themselves out of it. Um, and so, you know, I think, it's really important to recognize that and then also to know how to get yourself out of it. Um, so funny thing about me, every ultra I run, I, I cry at one point. <laughs> there is some point where I'm just, I don't know, like something happens. Sometimes it's over like the silliest thing, right? And it's just like, it just breaks you almost. And, um, you know, there's, there's a moment in AC actually where I had uh, my friend Kevin pacing me and you know the sun was like just starting to rise I was almost done I was I was in a really low place I I remember telling him like look don't talk to me anymore (laughs) just run beside me I I don't want to talk um and he noticed like I was just like holding something and he like turned to me and he was like just let it out just just let it go it's okay and I just I just walked I like hiked and cried like sobbing for like three minutes and just like wiped my face and I was like okay I'm good thank you. I feel better. Let's go. (laughs) Um, and so I think it's really important to just, to just know how to get yourself out of that, you know, whether it's like maybe just remembering why you're there thinking about certain people in your life, um, maybe remembering just like key points in your training that just like really uplifted you and, you know, gave you a little bit of confidence. Um, those things are really important to like get yourself into a more positive mindset that'll help you finish. 
So can somebody just like academically get to the point where they can prepare themselves for that? Like hearing stories like that and other ultra runners or other extreme endurance athletes, or does someone really just have to kind of go through it time and time again to really get um, kind of comfortable being extremely uncomfortable to that degree? I, I think it's a lot of trial and error. You know, I, I, along the years of like, you know, running ultras and training, you make so many mistakes and you pay for them. Um, you know, whether it's like a hydration issue, a fueling issue, or you take a wrong turn. <laughs> I do that a lot. Um, I think, you know, you kind of learn from these mistakes and you do everything wrong. And because of that, you know what to do right. Um, so, you know, there is a, a little bit of that of like just in ultra running and running long, um, just knowing and learning from failures and just being okay with it, like being able to just bounce back. I think that's really important. And you mentioned the, the so you've seen people kind of talking themselves out of it. And so many people struggle with, even in the best of times, their own like self-talk, even if it's not even athletic related. Uh, do you feel like people would be well served to kind of practice that ahead of time or what's been your relationship to self-talk in a way that you can utilize it to benefit you as opposed to handicap you? Uh, I think it's, you know, for someone who is preparing for an ultra, I think it is important to just have kind of a default that you can go to. Um, like whether it's like a little pep talk you give yourself or, you know, um, maybe something that inspires you. I think that's really helpful to go in with that. Um, and then just, you know, you also want to kind of assess each situation too. So when you're there, just recognize like, am I talking myself out of this? Okay, I need to stop and get myself back on track. But then it also helps to objectify it a little bit. Like it's almost like, um, like, do you remember the like choose your own adventure books? Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, of course. Yeah. When you're running a long race, you're kind of like making these series of decisions and sometimes they're the right decisions. Sometimes they're not, you know, like, am I going to eat this gel right now? Uh, am I going to opt to take a salt tablet right now? Or am I going to wait? Those, those are all these, each little decision is so important. So I think sometimes when you like objectify it a little bit of like, look, I'm doing an assessment. Uh, this is what my feet look like right now. Here's what I can do. Um, I think when you kind of fall into that, it does help a lot because it takes the emotion out of it. I think what, you know, brings people to kind of like maybe tap out or quit or, you know, reach these points is because that emotion is there. You, you have to um, practice in a way to where, you know, to like remove that and just like, OK, what do I need to do right now? And what was your relationship to your running and these races once, um, you know, brands that you love and trusted started investing in you as an athlete? Was there, did did it ramp up the pressure? Did it change anything for you? Honestly, um, yeah, it did. It did. It, it did add this whole new element, and um, you know, it it definitely it's so easy for it to kind of like make you forget about you know the reason that you're doing this and your purpose. Um, you know, because there is this new like you, you want to you want to, um, you don't want to let them down. You want to perform, you want to, you know, make them proud. Um, and so I think, but that can like really kind of move you in that 
in the wrong direction. If you lose the whole reason why you're there and you're running for the wrong reason. Um, and so I think it does take a little bit of effort to like, keep yourself on track. And I, I, I recognized it early on, you know, after AC, there was just, there was a lot of pressure. I was like, Oh my gosh, well, if I can do this, what's next? Is it Western States? Um, but then, you know, I think, it did take a little bit of time to like recognize that of like, wait, I'm not even enjoying these training runs anymore. I just, you know, am pushing myself so hard. Um, and I did have to kind of put myself in check. Yeah. And we should say like, you're sponsored by like some pretty cool companies. So let's give them a shout out because it is great that they like, they got behind you and they're, they're here with you now. Yeah. So I'm sponsored by fluid nutrition. I don't know if you're familiar. Um, it's a great, uh, local, local company. So they're based out of San Luis Obispo. And, you know, that's where I was um, up until about a year ago. And uh, they have a really great line of performance products um, and then also like recovery. And um, they've just been great. I actually just signed on for my fifth year with them. Um, Richard, he he's wonderful. The whole staff is and they just have a really um, wonderful product that just I, I, I love it. That's great. Are you part of Rabbit Elite Trail still? Yes. Um, so I, I'm on their trail team. Um, they ha- It's a clothing line for runners, if you're not familiar. Um, and they're a brand that's based out of Santa Barbara, which is where I'm at now. And um, just a wonderful product. And it's, it's founded by two women. Um, and they've done so much for me, you know, not only just like you know, wanted me to put, they basically inspired me through their whole network of other runners to just, you know, kind of push myself a little bit more and see what I'm capable of. Um, And also Rabbit is the reason that I met my fiance. There you go. See, like, this is like a Rabbit's like a hybrid of like, in, you know, like running apparel and mash.com. They're, they're, they're changing lives <laughs> on and off the trail. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so funny. We we talk about, um, Curly and I talk about it, of how, yeah, it was basically Rabbit that brought us together. That, that is awesome. All right. So let's talk about how things are going for you now. So you, again, I remember talking to uh, Meg Roche um, as she was kind of progressing through an injury. Again, another, another um, highly qualified ultra runner just like yourself. So let's talk about the, again, you, you kind of intimated and hinted at the injury early on in, in the show. So what did happen? And tell us what that journey has been like for you in terms of rehab. So um, after AC, I took some time off um, and then I jumped back into training about a month later and I kind of shifted. I, I wanted to run a road half marathon and just see, you know, what that was something I'd never done, like actually like raced a road half. And um, I wanted to just shift gears a little bit and see what I could do. And so here I am like training on the track, training on roads. Um, and then about October of 2019, um, I was stopped, you know, basically I had to stop training. I was experiencing a lot of pain. Um, so I, you know, went in, uh, they did an MRI and diagnosed me with um, a stress reaction, which is like what happens right before the fracture of my femur. Um, and then also I, they found a labral tear, which I don't know if that was already there or not, but, um, in, you know, early 2000. So I just like recovered from the actual like bone injury and I started running again. And when, with labral tears, it's tricky. They, they don't really want to address labral tears, 
um, unless it creates issues. Um, and so, and, and, and for those who don't know, like the labrum is the, it's kind of like the cartilage that lines your, your hip joint. So it's like what's, you know, your fem- your bone is just kind of like sitting in the socket and it's what's lining the socket. And, um, and so basically the plan was to just like continue running, see if it bothers me, see if it's causing issues. Um, and after about eight months of physical therapy and just, you know, trying to like strengthen and avoid the surgery, I ended up getting the surgery September of last year. Gosh, that must have been so frustrating to have been like, oh my gosh, I should have just gotten the surgery eight months ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that was, that was definitely tricky because it's, you know, hindsight's 2020. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, I'm glad that I took the time to actually, you know, try to strengthen everything and, you know, just work on my running form and economy and avoid getting the surgery. And, you know, going in to get the surgery, it was nice to know that I did try everything and that, you know, it didn't work. Yeah, that's a good point. I can definitely see the trade-off there. I'm I'm definitely someone who like regrets past decisions or in or, or indecision. Uh sometimes and I could definitely be like, what what was I doing? Um but it is it's so glad to see now. It seems like you're it seems like the surgery has worked. I mean, I even saw it today. What you've been like five miles in like forty-two minutes. It seems like things are, are progressing pretty well for you now. Oh, it's it's going great. It's um it's and I think a lot of it has to do with this type of surgery. You really have to, you have to put in the work. You, you have to, you know, do all of the physical therapy and make sure that you're stable and balanced in the hip. And I really, um, focused on that and made sure I was coming back strong. And so it, it feels so great to be running again. <laughs> it's been a long time. Did they give you any insight as to what led to these injuries? Obviously, you mentioned the difference in your training, but a lot of people train for road half marathons, right? People Mm -hmm. who have a lot less running background than you do, and they don't, you know, have stress reactions and things like that. Were you, were you able to gain any insight that can help you in the future? Um, not, not really. Uh, when they went in, they did find that I had kind of like a bony, it was almost like a, a spur of some sort which they think might just have been like, you know, there when I was born. So, you know, that means I could have it on the other side too. And so I think that already made me susceptible to it. But then with labral tears, it's hard to say, like they can be caused by general wear and tear over the years. It could be just like an isolated incident of like you landed wrong on your leg and then you twist. And then all of a sudden, you you know, you tear that labrum. There's so many factors. It's, it's really hard to say. And it's, and who knows, I could have had that labral tear for years and just kept running on it without being aware. And then it wasn't until it started bothering me. And that's when, okay, you know, we need to figure out how, what to do with this. So can you see yourself going back to try something on the roads or is that ship sailed at this point? I I, I would love to. And it's still, it's still there. You know, I want to try it right now. I think because I've been away from running, I just, I want to be on the trails again <laughs> more than anything. I just want to be out there. And um, I think in, in the future, you know, I, it'll be there for me. I, I would, it's my goal to keep running in my life as long as possible, just because of, you know, everything it does for me. And so, um, you know, that was part of the reason of getting the surgery too, is I just want to continue running and, and being healthy. And I think this is going to contribute to that. 
All right. So not only are you a highly accomplished runner, you're working hard to get back into place. You just, you, 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 foster, you, you've been active, um, as a foster parent and you officially adopted. Is it, is, is adopted the right word? Um, uh-huh. you, you know, your daughter just a couple weeks ago. Not only is so much stuff going on in your life, you're engaged to, to Curly. You know, <laughs> you have a lot of stuff going on in addition to all of those things, which are a lot. You are also quite active from a business perspective, which is really exciting. So you're, um, let me make sure I get the title right here. So you are the regional operations manager for Backyard Bowls, which is, um, you know, a, a food company that's, you know, several locations in and around your area. And you're also the, the, the owner and founder of your own skincare line. You started that a year ago. This is like so much stuff. Like I don't even understand. And like you're out here, like, taking up the piano again. Cause like, you know, why not? You're not that busy. Um, so, so what's it like balancing all of this stuff and seemingly, you know, doing it and trying to do it at a really high level because um, it really is amazing to witness. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, it, it is a lot. And um, I, I think, it definitely can pose a challenge because, you know, you can really only focus on one or two things, you know, if you're going all in in your life. I think the break from running and the surgery kind of provided me to um, make more movement in other areas and maybe provide like spend more time doing other things. And so, you know, after I, I got the surgery and I was recovering, I wasn't running um, and, you know, I had more free time. And so as a result, I've been a piano player for 30 years now. Um, so it was really nice to kind of like spend time because when I'm training for a race or I get busy at work, you know, this, this is one of the things that falls to the side. It's like, okay, not right now. And I think that's an important thing when it comes to balance. Like, I think, you know, in the span of your life, like in, in the span of my life, when I look at it, it's like, to me, it feels balanced because everything's out there. But I think, you know, you kind of have to, um, let your life kind of tip in other ways when it does. And so when I wasn't running, I was able to kind of funnel that energy into piano and then this business, which has been kind of a work in process for uh, progress for like a year and a half now. I don't know if you want me to share about it. Dude, I totally want you to share about it because I love this stuff as someone who's, you know, you know tried to build this podcast. Um, and it's been a big part of my life. And I love talking to small business owners, especially ones who are doing stuff that are kind of either directly or tangentially related to their, their lives as runners. And it seems like Summit Natural Skincare is just that. It is. Um, so Summit kind of came from um, just an idea I had, um, you know, as, as a, a trail runner, as someone who's out in the mountains, um, you know, the skin can, your skin can just be so vulnerable, you know, and I, I really kind of um, it, it hit me most when I was in the Sierras and I was like out in the mountains and I was, you know, just getting fried. (laughs) And, um, and so I think as athletes, like we do such a great job of like taking care of our bodies, taking care of our nutrition. Um, but we don't take care of our skin, even though we're spending all of this time in the sun. And so I just kind of like went off of that thought. Um, skincare has always been really important to me. My mother's Korean, Koreans love their skincare. Um, and so I've been fortunate enough to, you know, know about the products since my, you know, teenage years. And, um, so here I am, you know, working with, uh, a lab out in, um, Florida and, uh, developing a skincare line. So, you know, COVID has kind of slowed that down a little bit, but it's kind of nice to have it 
you know, go at that slower pace because I do have so many other things going in my life right now. So the product should be out hopefully um, by the middle of this year to fall and just um, really excited to to share it with everybody. All right. So how does this, I, I love the, like the, the genesis of the idea because it makes so much sense in the world. With that said, as accomplished as you are in the business world, it's almost all related to like nutrition and health in some way or another. Right? You've, had, you've had a variety of different jobs, but they're kind of in that sphere, right? Restaurants, health, uh, nutrition. So what did you have to do to get yourself in position to even go after this, you know, this kernel of an idea? Um, because it wasn't as if you had this institutional knowledge already built up to just kind of attack it right from the jump. Um, I think a big part of it was, um, so I kind of decided to go after this, like, like this dream of mine. Um, I think a big part of it was I, I got divorced back in, um, 2000, uh, between 2017, 18. Um, and then, so, from there, I was kind of like really doing an assessment of my life of like, okay, where am I at? Where do I want to be? Um, where am I? What am I doing? You know, <laughs> I just kind of hit this point where I was just like, I, I I need to do something. I need to like take control of my life. And, and so this idea had been kind of like just in the back of my mind. And I remember just talking to a good friend of mine about it. And she's like, go for it. Like what's stopping you? Just just see what you can do. You know, I, I'm full support. You you should totally go after it, and and so I did. That is awesome. So, what steps did you have to take in the beginning in terms of like learning, like what pro- like how to make these kinds of products? How to like not just like the formulations, which obviously is important, but just in terms of like finding a supplier and and all of that stuff. I mean, I mean, unless you're like, no, I'm going to make these in my living room and I'll, I'll just, <laughs> I have to find someone to bottle them. Like I just, I'm listening to how I built this by Guy Raz, who has an extremely popular podcast by that name. And actually one of the case studies in this like really, really good book is about this woman who develops a skincare line and just like how, like it, how the slow evolution and how like she built it. Like she just was like making lotions for herself. And then like taking it to the next level and the next level. I thought it was just fascinating. So like for you, what were the steps that you needed to take just in terms of like, hey, what's going to be in this? And like, how do we make sure it does what I want it to do? And like, how do we, you know, produce this and bottle it and like all of that stuff? Um, Again, because it wasn't like you were in this industry and then you just kind of did like an offshoot brand. Uh, I think I've been kind of doing market research ever since, you know, my early adult years. My my mother just really pushed skincare and the importance of it um, on me. And so, you know, I've been using skincare products for a very long time. So I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I also know that when I started, um, you know, running and I'm an athlete, and then I'm trying to still take care of my skin in the meantime, I recognize like kind of what was missing. and you know, I just remember like buying just like the copper tone sunscreens when I was, you know, years ago. And it's like, I hated it. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was great. It would get my eyes, it would burn. Um, and I just saw, started to realize like what I want isn't really out there. Um, so it was just a lot of research and seeing what is out there. Um, and then also just talking with friends of mine, you know, runner friends asking like, Hey, what would you wear? What do you want from a sunscreen or, you know, any kind of product? Um, and then, you know, from there I had kind of just this idea and vision and just going off of that. 
Yeah, and I love how it's very niched down into like a very specific area, right? Um, mm-hmm. Instead of trying to do like all things to all people, uh, especially now, like with so much DTC uh, opportunities, it seems like that's kind of like the, the best way to attack um, any segment is to really like niche it down into something that you can be like, all right, for, for this, for these, for this core group of people, we can be the leader for them as opposed to being like, how do I get into target? Like, what's the best way mm-hmm. to, to, to mass produce this? Yeah, more more than anything, I'm just making this product for myself. <laughs> I can be the only customer. That's fine. <laughs> there you go. I love that. All right. So if someone's interested in learning more, is there stuff available now that they can look into? Or is it going to be something that would be much more available later on in the year? It, it'll be later in the year. So right now I'm in um, kind of like product development. So it's a lot of just, you know, working with this lab. Um, they're sending me samples. I'm, you know, giving them feedback. They come back. Um, and then just like, you know, there's a, a level of testing. So that's, that's one of the reasons that, you know, you have to contract something like this out because, you know, they have all of the like licensing, there's FDA, there's all of these other, you know, parts of it that they, that is on their end, um, you know, rather than, I don't know if you could make anything from your living room if it's sunscreen, um, you would need all kinds of different things, but, um, yeah. And so, you know, once everything's done through, you know, once the product is, narrowed down, which is the phase I'm in right now. Um, from there, there'll be testing and, uh, and it'll be soon after that. So the goal is at the latest fall of this year. I love it. All right. Well, let us know. We'll announce it here in the show when you start, you know, opening up the site and people can start ordering this stuff. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure finally getting a chance to talk to you. I've wanted to have you on the show for such a long time, but I finally built up the nerve to ask you, and I'm so glad that you were able to do this. I am so glad to be talking to you too. I I appreciate. I was so honored when you reached out to me. I I love your show, um, and you bring on some pretty amazing people. So I, I was really nervous too because I was like, oh wow, you know, um, he wants to talk to me, and I, I'm just so honored to to have talked to you today. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It is always a pleasure interacting with you digitally. And this time, just having a chance to talk with you. Oh, man, this conversation, we went, this was really powerful. And I was just so excited uh, to get Melissa on the show. So before we head out, I just want to remind you again, go subscribe to the Olympic Trials Podcast. You want to be, I'm still saying it, Road to the Trials Podcast. Not allowed to say Olympic anymore. Road to the Trials Podcast, season two, starting very, very soon with... Again, I'm going to give you the rundown again because I'm just so excited to be working with these people. Kira D'Amato, Dana Giordano, Olivia Baker, Frank Laura, Tyler Day, Abe Alvarado. What a crew. Just so excited. All right, go check that out today. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.